Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am so very happy that you have made your way here. I am Janelle and I'm your host for today's conversation and it is my earnest desire and prayer that I bring light and love and hope into your heart today as we sit together and we consider in the Stronger Everyday community, we are so committed to unity, to both spiritual and relational unity. And after a very, very tough week in our nation, I come with a heavy heart and just hope that in this short space, we can offer one another a sacred space to lament, to grieve, and to find hope. And that is what our community is all about. It's about being a light in the darkness, about bringing hope to the hopeless and bringing our voices to the voiceless. And I want to I want to start and end our conversation today with a beautiful prayer. It was actually Jesus's final prayer for his followers that we find in the beautiful book of John in chapter 17. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. Jesus said these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your sun so the sun in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life that they may know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me. And they now have done what you said. They now know beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine, and my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. 
Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so that they can be of one heart and one mind, as we are of one heart and one mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch, and not one of them got away, except for the rebel bent on destruction, the exception that proved the rule of Scripture. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes, so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. Well, I'm going to stop right there as we begin. And then at the end, I will read the conclusion, John 17, 20 through 23. And there's several points that are, are here in these very few verses, starting with most definitely, let me go back here, that we have been put in this world to display a splendor, to be light, to be on display, in a sense, as he says here in the message. For I'm no longer going to be visible, but they'll continue in the world when I return to you. I want them to be of one heart and one mind. So to be of one mind and one heart, one body, actually, that is our mission here on earth, and particularly those of us who feel called to follow Jesus, to follow his ways and his word. And so, as promised this week on our weekly e-newsletter, I promised that I would talk about something called the window of tolerance. And I started our e-newsletter this week. The title was Fighting Over Strawberries and Tomatoes. And I started with a very powerful survey by the Pew Research Center uh, in 2019, a survey on race in America. This is more than 150 years after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States. Most U.S. adults say the legacy of slavery continues to have an impact on the position of black people in American society today. More than four in 10 say the country hasn't made enough progress toward racial, racial equality. And there is some skepticism, particularly among blacks, that black people will ever have equal rights with whites. And that is all according to the new Pew Research Center. And I've prayed and I've prayed over what my part, and as, as Jesus says in John 17 in his prayer, I want them to know their mission. And so I'm always coming to my quiet place 
so that I can hear God's whispers. And especially during this time of a world that is shut down by a killer virus, by a, a nation that I love dearly, that is literally on fire by the ruthless murder of a black man yet again. And families are under fire in their homes, as we have talked about, from sheltering in place, social distancing, and the quarantining has just wrecked havoc with our brain. And because that's what it has, that's what it does. You know, is it safe to say then, as I wrote in this e-newsletter on Monday, and please subscribe to the Stronger Everyday community so you can get these resources first and foremost and follow along in the flow of our week, which that flow is Mondays. I send out a Monday motivation for personal growth. It's a short e-newsletter that just kind of sets the tone for the week. Uh, Tuesday's heart lift, I... Uh, offer on social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, continuation of that conversation. Wednesday's Wisdom is where we come here to the podcast and we dig a little deeper into the topic of the week. And then Thursdays, I, I typically blog and, and provide for you show notes and uh, scripts and resources that have been noted in the podcast so that you can visit them and delve deeper into the subjects that you desire. And then Fridays are usually a Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Uh, this summer, hopefully, we'll have more and more of that. And so subscribe so that you can go deeper with us and grow. Because that is our personal mantra is to live out this threefold cord of emotional health and wellness, a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills, because when we possess and practice these three practices, absolutely everything else in our life is stronger, and it becomes stronger and stronger every day as we practice those three things. So I would say it is safe to say the tension in the air is so thick we can taste it, and I wrote in the e-newsletter that it was so thick I could taste it on this past Sunday. And my husband and I had a tete-a-tete, a altercation, a silly old argument. I guess you would call it that. Yet it had deep ramifications over strawberries. And a few weeks ago, it was over tomatoes. What's up with that? Well, what's up with that is... We have been under undue pressure and stress because of a global pandemic, because of social distancing, because of not congregating in our communities of people of like-mindedness where we find hope and courage and uh, stability and grounding. And I think it's getting to us. And it gets to us when we start fighting over stupid things like strawberries and tomatoes. So what might that be in your life? <laughs> what has caused, um, yeah, what has caused quarantine quarrels and COVID-19 conflict in your family? Why would a conversation over strawberries and tomatoes be problematic is the question that I asked. Why would it have caused hours of emotional shutdown and disconnection? Well, I asked you to 
counsel me and send me your thoughts. And I'm, I'm waiting for those. I really want to hear from you. I have come to my conclusions and I believe that it has a lot to do with the fact that my window of tolerance was close to being shut and locked and my husband's was as well. So what is a window of tolerance? And it's really critical, I think, and that's why I came on today. I have been trying uh, this week to honor the Amplify Melanated Voices and Blackout Tuesday and Justice for George and honor our black and brown um, sisters and brothers and giving them the airwaves. And, and yet I think it's important that we join forces here, that we unite together. And it certainly is uh, something I've been very conscious of my whole entire life, for sure, of um, unity and equality for all. But I wanted to come on and uh, stay true to my promise to talk about this window of tolerance because it can, it can have meaning individually. It can have meaning in a familial way in our families. Our family window of tolerance can get shut, closed, locked, and nailed. And our community's window of tolerance, as we're seeing all over our nation, and our national window of tolerance, I think, is getting pretty close to shutting completely. And what on earth do we do about this perplexing, perplexing, damaging situation and circumstance. So a window of tolerance is a term that was coined by, you know, one of my favorites, Dr. Dan Siegel. And it's now commonly used to understand and describe body, normal brain and body reactions, especially following adversity. So let me read that again. So, so important. I'm going to read it in two different um, definitions too, because there's a million out there. But these two I love specifically. So Dr. Dan Siegel, uh, who coined this term, now commonly it is used to understand and describe normal brain body reactions, especially following adversity. Some call it um, the optimal zone of arousal, where we are able to manage and thrive in everyday life. So the concept of this window of tolerance suggests that we have an optimal arousal level when we are within the window of tolerance that allows for the ebb and flow, the ups and downs of our emotions experienced by, by us, by humans. And in my work in aroma freedom technique and trauma memory reconsolidation with a therapeutic essential oils, uh, part of that movement, a clearing movement, is that we receive the emotions and we receive any intensifying of those emotions as if they were waves and they wash through us. The intensity, the uh, difficulty, the agony, the pain of the difficult emotions, they just wash through us like waves. They come and they go. They come and they go. No emotion lasts forever. No wave lasts forever. And it's a very important practice to implement in your emotional regulation practice uh, 
to learn to receive the difficult emotions like disappointment, lament, grief, sorrow, um, agony, sadness, to receive these negative, in a sense, emotions that evoke us into depression, despair, uh, those darker sides, those shadows, to be able to receive them and let them wash through us like a wave washes through us on the shore. And in that, we can then regulate them. So this window of tolerance allows for that ebb and flow the ups and downs that we are going to experience because we will experience hurt, anxiety, pain, anger that bring us closer to the edges of the window of tolerance. But generally, we are able to utilize strategies to keep us within this window. Similarly, we may feel too exhausted, sad, or shut down but we generally shift out of this. So in another beautiful article in Positive Psychology, which I, I follow a lot, they write, they, they have this, I should say, they have a beautiful metaphor that they use called the sailboat. And I implement this uh, in my practice and in my personal life always, but in my practice quite a bit. And that involves some mindfulness exercises that help us when our window of tolerance is shut, nailed down, and we have no more capacity for ebbing and flowing of emotions. And you could typically say that that is where we're entering into a trauma state, little t, middle t, or big t. And we talk a lot about that here on this podcast and in all of our resources, because trauma basically is just simply means we have really big emotions in our body, and they're just too big for our body. So our container, our body cannot hold them anymore. So we may numb ourselves so we don't feel it uh, with drinking and drugs or cutting, or um, we may run away from our problems and try to escape and isolate. And instead of grounding down and dropping our anchor, and learning to process every emotion, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So something happens. I'll come back to the sailboat in a minute. But in our um, conversation that started on Monday, we talked about when our window of tolerance, when we get to the edges of the window and perhaps when it gets closed, nailed down, shut, and we cannot contain one more emotion. We can't handle it. It's like, I can't do one more news story. I cannot hear one more negative word. I, I just can't do it. I mean, and you can't because your body is full. And so that would be something called um, when you get flooded. But then in psychology, there's a technique called flooding in which you're exposed directly to a maximum intensity, anxiety-producing situation or stimulus, either described or real, without any attempt made to lessen or avoid anxiety or fear during the exposure. So for example, an individual with claustrophobia might be asked to spend extended periods of time in a small room. This is flooding her. 
or him. Flooding techniques, the aim is to diminish or extinguish the undesired response to a feared situation or stimulus, and it's used primarily in the treatment of individuals with phobias or similar disorders. It can also be called exposure therapy. And so today, when we talk about um, our window of tolerance, I'm, I'm speaking to it in the frame of what is happening in this racially divided, racial injustice, um, really just horrific, actually, um, demeaning division in our country. And so here's where I feel like my individual window of tolerance as of last Sunday just got to its, I, I, it closed. I got up to a really difficult um, counseling 911 on my phone of a family whose window of tolerance was definitely closing. So I had to face and help there, which is my, my profession and my passion, and so all good there. But of course, it's going to bother my heart because I love my clients and care deeply. And then I, I, we tried to watch uh, our online church as we do every Sunday morning. And because the nation had just been through hell, you know, the service itself was a service of lament a very necessary, very vital service of lament, of grieving, of talking about the situation and trying to make some kind of sense and receive an unction about what can I do personally, which takes us back to John 17 when Jesus said, I've come I've taken care of the people you've told me to take care of. I have poured into them your words and your instruction and your love and your grace, Father. He's talking to his Father. And he says, and I've given them a mission and I've put my splendor inside of them so they can complete that mission and spread the splendor. I love how Eugene Peterson calls it splendor, which is just a brilliance of light in darkness. And, you know, Jesus says, I gave them a mission. So Sunday morning, you know, the, the service was so beautiful, but it was, it was also very deep and very difficult. And by Sunday, my window of tolerance was just, I couldn't take anymore. And, and I, I, I know I needed to lament and I was lamenting and I was grieving and I was sad and I was asking God, what is my job here? What is my mission, Father? I'm only one person. What can I do? Can I invite more of my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ or in the world that are of color onto my podcast and my platforms? And yes, I can do that. And I want to do that. And I do that. I, you know, I have a deep love and respect for for brothers and sisters of all nationalities. I, I've gone to Thailand and Kenya and just had mountaintop experiences with over, you know, 21 nationalities in, in the Thailand gathering and then in Kenya, just 12 beautiful Kenyan mamas that taught me more than I'll ever be able to teach 
them. And so the privilege of sitting with people that are different than myself is my passion in life. It's what I can't wait to do more of. I can't wait to sit under tin roofs and hear the rain pouring down while we sit in a circle of trust like the Kenyan mamas and um, the mamas that came over from America. And we sat in a circle of united trust and shared our hearts and cried out to God. And I can't tell you there's no experience on earth for me that is any more beautiful than sitting around a table with my closest family. <sighs> so I was crying out, you know, and I just had to shut. I mean, I, I, I listened to the whole service, but then I just thought I cannot, I can't listen anymore. I cannot hear anymore today. And I just got, we silenced the home basically. And I took very long walks. I worked in the garden. Rob worked outside. He went golfing because that's just a beautiful way that he can work things out because golfing for some is therapeutic and it's, uh, really good for their endorphins and their mental state and so he did and at the end of the day we really had a deep conversation and we both recognized that our windows of tolerance were flooded we were closed we were you know and so whew, it's tough so we wanted to be able to enter the new week right N we knew we were outside of our window of tolerance, which means our nervous system goes into the survival mode of fight, flight, or freeze. And we become overwhelmed and we go into hyperarousal, or we can shut down and go into hypoarousal, which is my husband and I, that is our mojo. We go into hypoarousal. We shut down and uh, it's not pretty. So our window of tolerance can be narrow or wide and is different for all people and at different times in our lives. So I, I just want to take a pause as I turn the page here. And I want to ask you today, uh, where are you? Where are you in your... As you, are you, as you are standing in front of your window of tolerance, is your window of tolerance... Are you good? Are, is it wide open and you feel you're able to regulate the ebb and flow of these deep emotions and words and media and and I hope so that's fantastic um, where are you just where are you today if you've never heard of the window of tolerance please subscribe and get this information in front of you and share it with your family so your children can understand this language and go, wow, I've got really big emotions inside my little body and I don't know what to do with them, Dad. Mama, I don't know what to do with these emotions. They're big. They're overwhelming me. So when we're able to widen our window of tolerance, we can enjoy more smooth sailing. So let me just talk, let me go off for just a minute on what this sailboat metaphor is all about. It was a tool created by Hugo Alberts, and um, it comes through the Positive Psychology Program, which I am a member and a follower and just so, so grateful. And in the beginning of the sailboat metaphor, they speak of Louisa May Alcott's uh, beautiful quote, I am not afraid of storms, for I am learning how to sail my ship. 
And isn't that what we all are really trying to do here? In the midst of all of this racial divide, so many voices being raised gratefully. I'm so happy they are. So many voices are being heard. May they be heard all the way to the top of our government. May change really come this time. May we all know that as an agent of change ourselves, that change is going to start first in our own hearts. When we examine our hearts, and we, above all else, take care of our hearts, Proverbs 4.23. And we make sure that our hearts are good. Because when we can stand in the center of all of our spheres of influence as a heart lifter, someone who has a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns and operation, and healthy communication skills that are being executed, then the world will become a safer more equal, more meaningful place for each member of the human race to live and breathe and move. So the metaphor, the sailboat metaphor, can be used to explain complex psychological constructs in a relatively simple way. So for instance, effective coping, okay, here is the meat of what we're talking about this week. When our windows of tolerance are closed, nailed, shut down because we're overwhelmed, our coping strategies can't cope anymore. Effective coping can be compared to a boat that stays on course despite stormy weather or effectively gets back on course after stormy weather. Rumination, dwelling on negative thoughts about past failures can be compared to spending a lot of time looking at the wake pattern behind the boat. <laughs> oh, this is a lot. I know it is. So I'm, just, I'm always just giving you, skimming the surface of these deep tools. So that's why I cannot encourage you enough to subscribe to all the channels in which you can get access to the conversations that we'd have during the week here, because in a 30 minute, 35 minute podcast, I can't cover it all, you know that. The metaphor can be used to communicate complex, interactive psychological processes. And so we can use the metaphor to describe our personal feelings. It helps us talk about our private experiences in a more indirect and less vulnerable way and another relative advantage of using the boat metaphor is its flexibility to different interpretations. So here, here are some examples of what I mean in the sailboat metaphor. And I want to absolutely give credit to uh, positivepsychologyprogram.com. And I'm a part of this, so I have access to their materials. So an example of uh, one person might say, I don't feel like my boat is even moving. It is floating in one place, bobbing on the waves. So that might mean you are experiencing a lack of meaning or you're experiencing a lack of autonomy, which is what we talked about in our last episode, episode 14. 
Someone might say, I feel like I am sailing in a direction that other sailors want me to sail. So you might be experiencing a high level of social pressure, and, and this also points to a lack of autonomy. Someone might say, I feel like all I can see is the leaking boat. I keep taking on water and I can't, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going under. Well, this is ex showing someone's experiencing excessive focus on the problem. Some might say, I'm afraid that my boat will not withstand the stormy weather that is coming. So this, this implements low levels of self-efficacy and, and doubts about your coping skills. So in short, I will continue this conversation for sure. Um, but I just wanted to give you a short little mindfulness exercise and the window of tolerance exercise that you can use today. So when, and this will be on the blog on uh, tomorrow, uh, Thankful Thursday, where I'll put this image so you can see that when we use the sailboat metaphor in relation to our emotions, we're going to be talking about hyper arousal, where we're in emotional overwhelm, panic. This is where panic attacks happen. We feel unsafe. We feel angry. We go from zero to 100 on the anger scale and we can't control our anger, we go into racing thoughts and severe anxiety. We don't want to live in that state. We do not want to live in a hypervigilant, hyperarousal. Okay, so you're in the storm and the storm is overwhelming you and you have no way of getting out. And there is no wind in your sails. The window of tolerance is that optimal arousal zone and that leads us to carrying on with daily life in the river of well-being and smooth sailing. And a mindfulness exercise that I'm going to give you will help you with that. And then hypoarousal, like I said, my husband and I tend to live in. We go numb. We shut down because we don't want to feel anymore. Like I close the window, nail it down, lock it shut, and I shut out the other person and treat them really like they're dead, which is the silent treatment. And that's so repressive and so oppressive and so desperately so desperately toxic, um, where you have no feelings or energy. You can't think, you just shut down. You feel ashamed, disconnected, and depressed. And I will humbly admit that I have lived a lot of my life in hypo arousal, but because of the heart work we do here in our Stronger Every Day community, the heart work that we do leads us to be able to have a more uh, a wider window of tolerance where we are more able for smooth sailing. So emotional regulation, which we talk about emotion regulation, depends on our ability to be mindful of the fluctuations in our level of arousal and to respond wisely. Well, that's what we do here. By becoming aware of body sensations, thoughts, and emotions, we can learn to recognize when we are in our optimal zone of arousal or when we're going into hypo or hyper arousal. So I'm just going to close. Um, I'm going to give you a little peek into how I managed my hypo arousal on Sunday and, and how my husband handled it. And because of the work we've done as a married couple, We've both done individual heart work, but then we have to do corporate, right? We have to do marital heart work. We were able to 
I asked for forgiveness. I don't need to tell the whole story. I just need to let you know that I followed Harriet Lerner's um, beautiful rules of apology, which you can go back and listen to that um, podcast. And my husband forgave me, but we both knew there was something else in the air. So we went for a walk. My husband ended up walking home to do some work in the yard, which I knew that meant he was still not resolved. I went for a very, very long walk because I do walk therapy. And then we got back and he came in and he goes, I said, where are we? How are we? He goes, I'm not good. I need to talk about this some more, which for my husband is an absolute miracle. I'm so proud. I was so proud of that moment because we used to shut down for, for long times. And so to only have a shutdown for a few hours was miraculous for our marriage and for our relationship. And we're married almost 36 years. So this ain't easy, guys. And I'm being honest. And I hadn't felt this way in a long time. So I know it was the, the window of tolerance because the week had been so, the whole nation just was on fire. And so we felt it. And a lot of other things happened in our family that week that were also very jarring. And so I said, okay. And we had a very hard conversation, but a very honest conversation. And took a break, had lunch. And then we had more conversation later in the day. And we discovered some ways that, you know, my husband said, I don't know how to communicate well, so help me. And I said, I will. And you have to help me. So the bottom line was we stayed as rational as we could. We didn't flip our lids. We stayed in the front uh, prefrontal cortex. And please just listen to past podcasts if you need. The, the methodologies are all here for you. And we concluded by saying we're going to help each other because we're committed to our relationship and we love each other. We may not like each other all the time, right? Because we are human beings who are going to be imperfect and, and messy. But we love each other and we love our family. So we're going to talk and we're going to work this out and we're going to handle it like mature adults because that's what we've committed to. So I think we made our window of tolerance wider that on Sunday. And the next storm that comes our way, we will... Uh, be able to sail it a little bit more smoothly, I think. So once you've gone outside your window of tolerance, it's incredibly important to recover. And that recovering, you give each other space. But a, gra a grounding skill is a beautiful way is to put to just, well, for my husband and I, we ground by prayer. But we just come to God and we bow our heads and we get quiet and we take some deep breaths. We take some extended breaths in. And some extended breaths out. We release all the gripped areas in our body, our jaws, our hands, our shoulders. We give ourselves some moments to be mindful in our body and to be present in the moment. As I said, I took a brief walk. Sometimes we take it together in silence and just go, we're going to walk together because if two can, Amos 3.3 in the scripture says, if two, if you can't walk together agreed, you can't walk together. And so sometimes we ground ourselves in our prayer as well with our feet down solid on the floor. 
And sometimes one of the most beautiful ways to become mindful um, in a time where you are feeling like you're flooded or you're spinning is to try to stop and implement your five senses in the space that you're in immediately. Like notice something on the wall, on the floor, fruit in the kitchen, look at it, orient to it, say that's a lemon. Yes, there it is. And it's yellow. And I smell and pick it up and I smell it and I feel it. And all of a sudden, because you're trauma, implicit memory, the place that usually gets triggered responds to sensory imagery. It's important to activate your senses in order to come to a more uh, stable state of mind. Or at that time, you can listen to a song that might calm your nerves, or you just might breathe. So the most important thing that we want to remember as we're closing today in expanding and widening our window of tolerance is to remember three steps. And I love the acronym AGE. And it's a three-minute breathing space practice. And it's awareness, gathering, and expanding. And I will put this exercise on the blog tomorrow. You bring yourself into the present moment, just exactly as I told you to, either by breathing, putting your feet on the floor, looking at something in the room and gathering the visual sensory imagery around it. That will calm down your amygdala and that will bring you to your prefrontal cortex where you can think clearly and responsibly and have more sanity. If possible, close your eyes and then ask, what is my experience right now? What am I experiencing in my thoughts? My thoughts are racing. Okay. And I'm feeling that race in my heart and my body is, my hands are sweaty. You just start to bring yourself back into your body and acknowledge and register your experience, even if it isn't wanted. You have to, you have to call this down. We would call this the captivation of your thoughts in 2 Corinthians 10.5. This is the practice of captivation, as one of my clients told me today. And then gently gather and redirect your full attention, every ounce of your body, to breathing. And as I said, you expand that in-breath and that out-breath, and you focus on the breathing, on the now, on the focus on the anchor of your breath. Then you expand the field of your awareness around your breathing so that it includes a sense of your body as a whole, your posture, and your facial expression. And you're, you're brought more back into your window of tolerance. So I'm thinking I may do a window of tolerance mindfulness exercise as a bonus here on the podcast for you. And uh, so you can explore this more. I know this was a lot today, but there's a lot going on. And so uh, take it in little bites. If you can't listen to all of this at one time, and I'm closing all my papers up. And uh, I'm going to read as we close the rest of John 17. 20 to 23. So Jesus says, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all who follow behind me, everyone to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that we might be of one heart and mind and they might be of one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, did send me. 
The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness, this unity, and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. And he concludes, Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. May we know our mission. I've gone long today. I, I don't apologize because I think it's vital that we have this conversation. And perhaps read through John 17 in, in several versions. And my dear, dear community, my friends here, may God make you stronger every day in your purpose, in your passion, in your mission. And may you take care of your own heart so that you can care for the hearts of those in your sphere of influence because there is nothing more, there is no more important mission on this planet for you right now today than to make sure your home and your family has unity. That you are loving one another well. There's nothing on this planet you can do more important right now today than be a tremendously healthy human being, creating healthy homes, safe homes, safe places in which those in your family feel safe and loved and seen and heard. And when we can do that, then the world will be a better place. Until next time, be blessed. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.